Some people know what they want to do from the beginning, but most of us, I think, we find our way gradually. Hello, you're listening to the Purdue Agricultural Economics Podcast. I'm your faculty host, Ken Foster, professor in agricultural economics, and with me is my student co-host, Colby Smock. Colby, how are you today? I'm doing pretty good. You know, we're getting on the back half of the semester here, so oh things are picking up a little bit. But. I bet I bet they are. Projects and exams and everything, and Thanksgiving's coming up, but we just ticked off Halloween last week. What's on the agenda for Purdue students during Halloween? <laughs> well... Lots of different things, I guess, just depending on, you know, what they're into and stuff. But I think from my interpretation, there was a lot of people that were taking a little bit of a deep breath from, from schoolwork and stuff like that and enjoying a little social time with friends, which is always good, you know. One of the things I notice every year, I teach over the lunch hour, so I want to make sure my students are well-fed because they can't learn if they're hungry. Yeah. They just get angry. <laughs> yeah. So I pass around a bag full of candy, and what I've noticed is that since, th- since uh, Halloween, the candy's been disappearing much faster. <laughs> yeah. So I think maybe there's something about Halloween lowers everybody's resistance to candy, yeah. and yeah, I mean, the candy's been flying out. So <laughs> anyway, that's a, that's a, that happens every year, Thanksgiving got to st- restock the bag again. Absolutely. So. Dr. Foster, would you be interested in introducing our guest to us today? Sure. Hey, we have with us Dr. Tom Hurdle. Tom's a distinguished professor in the Department of Agricultural Economics, and he is also the executive director of the Global Trade Analysis Project here at Purdue. And most importantly, and the reason why we wanted to talk to him, he's the most recent recipient of the Crean Alexander Spirit of the Land Grant Mission Award in the College of Agriculture here at Purdue. So maybe you can ask him a little bit more about that experience. Yeah, absolutely. Can you explain to us so then a little bit about your background so we can understand where you come from and how you found yourself here at Purdue, and then we can dig a little bit deeper here into the award? Sure, yeah, I'd be pleased to do that. Yeah, the reason that I'm at Purdue, really, it goes back to a mentor of mine, Lowell Harden. He was a department head here at Purdue many, many years ago. After that, he went to New York, and at the Ford Foundation, he ran a program, a around the world to introduce economics and other social sciences into the International Agricultural Research Centers. And I happened to be his assistant program officer in New York a long time ago, before I got a PhD, before I thought I would become an academic. So he guided me back to get a PhD, and then when I was finishing, I got a phone call, and he said, hey, Tom, there's this job at Purdue. So that was, this was my first academic job, and it's been a great place for me. And I've had multiple careers over that time. That's one message for those thinking about getting a PhD. It doesn't have to narrow your, your life too much. I've been able to do four or five different, really have four or five different careers here. And so the Spirit of the Land Grant Award I think touches on many of those, but that is focused on teaching, research, and outreach. All of those have been important to me during this time. So, Tom, you mentioned having several different careers while you've been here at Purdue, and um, I know you mean more than just uh, teaching and research and and, um, outreach. You mean different types of research that you've engaged in and different dimensions of discovery that you've been involved in. But, you know, still one of the things that we know you best for is the Center for Global Trade Analysis. I don't know if you want to give our listeners a little flavor for what that is, where it came from, what it does, and how it's maybe evolved over time. 
Yes, thanks. Thanks for that question and that prompt, because uh, it is a topic that I love. <laughs> so actually, my first sabbatical here was involved going to Melbourne, Australia, spending a year there. And there I learned about a very exciting, engaging way of doing research on trade policy and other similar issues. And they were doing this in Australia, and I thought, we need to bring that to the U.S. In fact, we need to bring it to the world. And so that kind of economic analysis, which, which relies on very data-intensive and relies on e economic modeling, looking at not just at agriculture, but how agriculture connects with the rest of the economy and the rest of the world. So I brought back some of those ideas and started what is, was, is called the Global Trade Analysis Project, GTAP. And so with the help of Wally Tyner, who was department head at the time, we founded the Center for Global Trade Analysis, and that's, I still serve as executive director of that. And over time, we have built up a global database and community of people using this and doing this kind of modeling. There are 28,000 people in this network wow. now and all of the major international and national organizations involved in economic analysis of global issues are serve on our advisory board, more than 30 of them. So just tick them off. International Monetary Fund, World Bank, OECD, WTO, you know, in the U.S., the USDA, the you know, Commerce Department, and so on. So a lot of people are involved in this. It's based here at Purdue. It's centered at Purdue, so it brings a lot of notoriety and importance to, to Purdue. And this network is fueled by courses that we offer every year. It's fueled by an annual conference and board meeting we hold every year around the world. One year it's in Africa, another time it's in Europe and Asia. We'll, it'll be back in the U.S. next year. And actually the very first conference in 1997 and the, tw and the 10th and the 20th were all held here at Purdue. So we're looking ahead. 2027 to hold it here again. But it's a great network of people doing important work and uh, Purdue's at the center of this universe. Yeah. Sounds like that's one of the many awesome things that you've helped bring to the university and probably a big reason why um, the award that I would like you to explain a little bit about sure. now is uh, how you found yourself receiving that. Um, could you give us a little bit of a background history about the Corrine Alexander Spirit of the Land Grant Award and, um, you know, like its significance for the people that are unfamiliar? Yes, and I want to say that this is the award that I'm most proud of because this, what I believe in very deeply is this land grant mission. And so for many of those here at Purdue, they'll know about it, but Maybe you even take for granted this idea that the university cares about being engaged with society, has extension and outreach programs, does public policy work. It's not just about publishing journal articles and being at the top of your academic field in a research sense. So the land-grant mission has three parts, teaching, outreach, taking that knowledge out, extension, and also obviously teaching outreach and, and research. And those three, those three legs are very important and uh, I'm very proud to be part of an institution that, that highlights all of those. And this award given by the Ag School is designed to hold up 
each year someone who's been exemplifying that. And it's been in existence for probably 20 years, but since 2016, it's been named after Corrine Alexander. So Dr. Foster and I had this very dear colleague, Corrine Alexander, who was a stellar researcher, a great teacher, and very dynamic in the outreach extension area. She covered all of those areas so well and just met an untimely death. This was named in her honor and it's really very a very meaningful award for me and for I think everyone who at Purdue. Yeah, it's really cool how the land grant mission kind of weaves itself together in the sense that, you know, you have this opportunity to have what I think is probably the greatest job in the world as a professor, where you get to think big thoughts and chase big ideas and discover new things, but then you have this responsibility to deliver it to your students and deliver it to people outside the university. But then you get this feedback where, you know, in your case, Tom, 28,000 people are telling you, yeah, that last piece of research, that was great. But now here's another problem that needs to be solved. And it's that sort of perpetual motion, knowledge generation mm -hmm. and and creativity generation and new talent like Colby generation <laughs> that makes Purdue a special place and, and other land-grant universities. You know, we're in it as a team, I think. So I guess you touched on this a little bit, Tom. I mean, you're no stranger to awards. You've received many of the outstanding awards in our profession and here at Purdue. But, you know, just what does this feel like at this point in your career to receive this award? Yeah, as I said, it means a whole lot to me. I think the award was an opportunity to look back where I've come from, how I came here. I actually grew up in a family that was heavily involved in the land-grant mission. And in fact, I thought too much of that, and I wanted to get away from it, <laughs> which I tried to do <laughs> working for the private sector, working for the Ford Foundation and other things. And at some point, I was drawn back in and, and brought to Purdue. And um, so um, it would, this, this award, giving the talk, which I gave uh, last week, that'll be, it's been recorded and will be available, um, was a chance to put together those ideas and reflect back on my career, on my life, really, and how what's brought me to this point. It's also was a chance also to outline some ideas about where I see things going in the future, and that's also very important to me. Well, it sounds like this uh, award has been a very cool opportunity for you to kind of reflect on where you've been, you know, and where you kind of find yourself now, especially after a long career. How many years has it been that you've been here at Purdue? 40 years. 40 years. Wow, yeah, that is, a, that is a number I cannot quite process at this point in my life, but that, is a, that in itself is an amazing accomplishment. Yeah. And that leads me to ask you the next question as you're kind of in this maybe reflective state of your life currently would be looking back over those 40 years, what are some of your favorite accomplishes, accomplishments from your time here at Purdue and I guess even just your career in general? Right. Well, one thing that we've really enjoyed a lot have been these sabbaticals, and that's a rare opportunity that uh, is available to faculty at Purdue. Not every university allow, you know, pr provides that, but Purdue really emphasizes this idea that every seven years, step back from, the, from your office, look around, 
go somewhere else, throw yourself into a new environment, we'll support you in that. Mm -hmm. And so you put together a proposal and it has to be approved all the way up the chain. But if it's approved, then you have that opportunity. So for us, as I said, my first sabbatical, Melbourne, Australia, fantastic place to live, mm -hmm. fantastic experience. You arrive there, here people know you, they kind of know what you do, you arrive there, no one knows you, they, yeah. you know. You're not anyone special. You've got to kind of start again and kind of learn and, and begin to forge an identity and contribute. And that, as I say, that was really the genesis of GTAP. So a very important sabbatical. I had another sabbatical, fantastic opportunity to spend a year working at the World Bank where I ran a project on trade and poverty, thinking about how trade agreements affect poverty around the world. And so I supervised a group of a... a probably 14 different research groups who were doing work that we commissioned and we went then went around the world and presented that to trade negotiators in Geneva, to the European Parliament, in Washington, D.C., in Paris, in Maputo, Mozambique, in Johannesburg, all over the world. So it was an amazing opportunity, very much in the outreach mode, to take this work that we'd done and to take it to the broader public and, and to realize then what's really important. It's only once you present your work, you realize what resonates and what people really find interesting and important you need to, to spend more time on. So I think without the outreach, your work can get very much off track. I had another sabbatical at Stanford University working with climate scientists. I was the only economist in a whole building <laughs> of earth system scientists and taught a course and worked closely with climate scientists and learned how to do interdisciplinary work. And that was very important for me. And that's kind of shaped where I've been going since then, trying to bring the GTAP community, largely economists, into other areas, climate, biodiversity, water, all of these other important issues. And so the last sabbatical this last year, I was in Germany. Yeah, I lived in Berlin and was working with something called the Potsdam Institute for Climate Change Research. And again, very interdisciplinary, very much focused on climate and related challenges. So I think those sabbaticals have really been highlights for me and each time have shifted my direction. And it just shows how being a professor at Purdue doesn't mean that you just you know, sit here and look at you know, the same thing year after year. No, get up from, and there are these opportunities that are really phenomenal. So uh, Purdue's been fantastic uh, for me. Thank you, yeah. So Tom, David, a parting comment for students. If you had advice for students, what would it be? You know, I found my way here kind of by ruling out options. <laughs> I didn't know, I, in fact, I thought the one thing I knew is that I didn't want to be a professor. So, you know, I encourage you to try different things. Um, experiment a little bit. When you're young, it's a good time. The risk is somewhat less <laughs> and try some different things have some adventures and if it doesn't work try something else some people know what they want to do from the beginning but most of us i think we find our way gradually and some often you learn more by being in a job where maybe you're not happy or maybe you feel like you failed <laughs> you learn a lot about yourself and you redirect and gradually find your way to your calling so i encourage you all to experiment a bit and have a good time with that yeah sounds Thank great you. sometimes it's just as important to find out what you don't like yeah. as it is to yeah, find absolutely. out what you do like yeah so 
Well, Tom, thanks so much for spending some time with us. And just for our listeners, we'll go ahead and paste a link to your lecture in uh, the footnotes to the podcast so they can take a look at that and listen to your comments there as well. So you've been listening to the Purdue Agricultural Economics Podcast. You can visit the department online at www.agecon.purdue.edu. You can like us on Facebook and you can follow us on X. Have a great day.